All right, here on a special playoff preview edition of Locked On Women's Basketball, I'm Ben Dahl here uh, with a very special guest to preview the Sparks and the Lynx, who are meeting again the playoffs this time, of course, not in the finals. It'll be, but we'll get that same Game 5 feel as they play Tuesday night in L.A. in a single elimination game. And I've been pretty locked in on the Sparks this year. I've been covering them for Silver Screen and Roll starting recently, and the guest I'm bringing on today has been covering the Lynx. Uh, if you follow the WNBA closely, you probably know who this guy is. He is the Lindsey Whalen to my Odyssey Sims, Neil Olstad of Canis Hoopus. Neil, what are your thoughts, just general feelings, now that we're here at this point with these two teams playing in single elimination? We did it. We got the rubber match. It, it exists. It's happening. Everyone, uh, you know, maybe preseason was predicting such a thing. Maybe they'll be back in the finals together. But, uh, you know, first round, finals, whatever, right? Same thing. S- same kind of game. Single. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I think anyone who follows this league closely appreciates, you know, all the best players, the talent. Like, you want to, you'd love to see these teams match up. And, and that's exactly what we're going to get. And what I want to start with, I guess, is just, you know, what take a, you know, take a clear look and an honest look right now in 2018 here in the month of August. What are the Minnesota Lynx right now? Yeah, they are. They're struggling quite a bit, actually. I mean, they've lost, uh, you know, they they won their final game uh, of the season um, on Sunday night um, against Washington. But before that, you know, they had lost three in a row at home and they had lost six of eight overall. And, um, you know, they're, they're missing Rebecca Brunson, who's still out with a concussion. So, you know, usually the links are, you know, kind of cruising into the into the playoffs and, and feeling good about themselves and, you know, locked in a top seed or, or whatever. And so, you know, as with everything links this season, it's all just as uncharted territory or, um, you know, uh, just very different kind of year and, and so yeah the Lynx will will play a single elimination playoff game for the first time ever which is kind of interesting um obviously but yes yeah it's just so funny that they that they drew the they drew the sparks again and and that we are going to get uh you know a winner take all kind of game uh winner moves on kind of situation uh once again here in the first round but yeah the Lynx are are um you know they're kind of struggling at this point of the season they, they definitely aren't really where they want to be um you know, and, and and really, what it comes down to is is really the offense and and, and the inconsistency um, that um, has kind of plagued them all season. The efficiency hasn't been there as it was in the past. You know, Sylvia Fowles, twenty seventeen MVP, she destroyed the whole league last year and this year. I don't know, the league bit back and kind of had some different schemes for her and kind of figured her out in certain ways. But really, it's just all about the Lynx offense and and not being able to score efficiently. So. You know that'll be that'll be interesting uh, going into this matchup with with uh, Los Angeles, who you know like the Lynx are, are a very good defensive team. Um, so so yeah, so that's kind of sort of the the broad view of where things are right now, and 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 what Minnesota is going to need to do. Um, you know, especially you know offensively, we can drill into some more of the specifics. But I don't know. I mean, is that kind of how you see this as well? Is you know these teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, you look at you know sort of their offensive and defensive ratings in the in the year, and they're kind of right next to each other in those groupings and stuff. You know, they're both kind of lower down on the offensive side, and and you know they're both top five teams um, defensively. So yeah, it's, it should be interesting to see how how things break um, on Tuesday. Yeah, I think 
I mean, I think it's a pretty similar story for both teams. If you really, if you really want to zoom out and just talk about the biggest issues, I mean, with the Sparks, I was looking this up because I was putting together some thoughts on defensive player of the year. And I told you this before we started in 419 minutes, which relatively speaking, isn't a lot for players this important to a team, but um, when Elena Beard, Chelsea Gray, Neko Gumake, and Candace Parker on the court for the Sparks, they've posted a 94-8 defensive rating, which puts you right up there with the very best in the league, which is what the par, par for the course has been for them. And with the Sparks, I think it in the same way it is, I think, I think teams have caught up a little bit with what they're doing on offense to make life tougher for them. I think the big thing with the Sparks is that is that people are – I guess being more adventurous, or if you look at it a different way, you could just say that they're they're have they're they're doing what's staring them in the face, and that's help off their players that can't shoot or that aren't as good as three point shooters. And you can make life really really tough for Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray. But let's go. You mentioned offense from Minnesota. I mean, I I agree. Watching them, I think you know Sylvia Fowl is just. I mean. She made a lot of teams look silly with how easily she dominated them getting stuff out of some of their set pieces. So what let's dive into that and what what do you think has really been different for them this year on that end? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 strange because, you know, like we like we're talking about Sylvia really dominated all of 2017 and it's interesting that it took a whole year for sort of the league to come around. You think that maybe that would have come in the second and third matchups against the Lynx in 2017. But instead, I don't know, I guess it just comes comes around in, in 2018. And you, I don't know if, if teams are, sh- are showing more interesting things as far as a double team or as far as help situations um, come into play there, whether it is some, you know, just totally different new ideas of, of how to, um, you know, crowd the paint with Sylvia and really make things tough for her there. Um, but I, I think a lot of it, too, is just coming down to she just missed a lot of shots that she made last year. I mean, it's not necessarily all about what the defense did. Um, and then also, I think when we talk about um, the overall offensive efficiency for the Lynx this year and how Sylvia kind of plays into that, I think they were just they were way more um, efficient with, you know, getting the ball in the sill and then kicking out and being um, being able to score in, in, in those kind of ways. Um, obviously, losing Renee Montgomery this year, um, you know, in free agency and, you know, even like Gia Perkins and a few other players that um, just seem to have to be able to play off of. Um, fouls a little bit better than we're seeing this year. Um, and, you know, Maya's efficiency down just, just all around the offense just hasn't, um, you know, kind of been as dominant around the idea of Sylvia getting the ball first, kind of in the, in the paint and, and kind of creating from there and kicking out to shooters and stuff. So, um, you know, that has just been the problem. It's, it's, um, you know, the Lynx just, you know, haven't been able to shoot the ball from three quite as well and, and finding other ways to score. They've also, um, you know, both Los Angeles and Minnesota play at some of the slowest paces in the league. And, and that really has helped, has not helped Minnesota at all either to get easy baskets. They almost get nothing in transition in a given game. So every kind of, every point they get is just a grind really. And it's really been hard for Minnesota to score, you know, free throw percent, uh, free throw getting to the line, you know, not there as much as it used to be for the Lynx. So all these things, um, you know, even if they aren't major issues, they you put them all together. And um, to me, they, they kind of just, they, uh, they, they give us what we have here, which is just an offense that just hasn't really been that efficient. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of how I see that it's been so far this summer. Yeah. I mean, Gia Perkins, by the way, was awesome. In the finals, like if you like, I, I 
I think about that all the time because like if you just run that series back and watch it on tape, it's like, man, like this this player had no business retiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Come on back. But yeah, let, well, I mean, let's to hit on something you said with Sill, you know, I there are still you know, I watch I watch a pretty good amount of everybody, but you are much more in tune with the links on a day-to-day basis. And just there are some games where they come out they they get the ball to sill on like their set pieces where she's like on the move to the rim and they also just get her in the post and she's off to a great start and then they look like the links and there are some games where they just don't really seem to try to do that and those are the ones where my I'm kind of left scratching my head what do you make of that have you seen any of the same from them yeah yeah i mean it's just it is very strange because i, I think I, I think it might boil down to maybe like teams showing different types of things and fronting her in different ways or, or helping off of other players in different ways because yeah that's the problem with with a post player being your best offensive player and then you know that is the WNBA right now i mean the post players um you know they're just the, that's kind of just where the league is right now as far as offense goes all you know the, the a lot of the highest scoring players are, are post players so that's just how it is but the problem is you have to enter the ball into them they can't just bring it up themselves and and so you know a lot of times it's it's an issue of just getting the ball into her and um you know the links do have a lot of players some of their more legacy players um definitely are, are really great at throwing that lob over the top over a fronted um you know if someone's fronting still um you know uh, simone's great at throwing the lob um players that have played with her before um, have been able to do that. But then there's other players, you know, you look at the Minnesota bench this year, which is, you know, totally revamped from from 2017. And and there's some unfamiliarity there and, and, and players that maybe just don't quite understand how to get still the ball. I would have liked to think that that's something that would have evolved over the course of the season. Um, but I don't know, maybe a little bit more of, of, you know, turning the ball over that way, throwing it out of bounds when, you're just trying to enter the ball into sill, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe players like Zonda Lassini or, or, or um, Tanisha Wright, you know, Wright's a good passer and stuff. And, and I've seen some good entry passes there, but I think it maybe just can boil down to those kinds of things too of, you know, there's a lot of bodies in there and just getting her the ball sometimes really can be a problem. And, and really that's, that's, that should be the game plan for anyone facing off against sill is just don't let her touch the ball if you can. I mean, uh, easier said than done for sure they they've seen they've seen so many of these coverages but you know when i think about you know the struggles that they have getting sylvia going i think it just might sometimes come down to easy as just entry passes that just aren't there um from from what possibly could have been in the past yeah i don't I mean, know what have I, you seen what have you seen why why do you think that the Lynx just have had a, maybe had a hard time establishing sylvia in, in the post in, in certain points of the game I mean, I think just wising up to the to the relatively easy stuff she got, I think has a big enough part in it. I mean, like, and this isn't just the links, by the way, like the Mercury, even the wings now with those Cambage. Like, when like if Sylvia Fowles is standing at an elbow, like, like every player on that opposing bench should be screaming, like she's about to catch a back screen, a rip screen, something to like get going towards the basket. And like last year that would just happen over and over. And it was like teams had never seen it before. And I think some of that stuff isn't theirs because people are, are loaded up. They're ready for it. They're not just getting slammed by those screens to the point where she's waltzing into, into wide open layups. And, you know, I, I mean, just, you know, I just, there are games where there, everything's just a little bit off. You know, it, there's, you mentioned like, you mentioned the entry passes, you know, if one point in that chain 
you know, takes a little bit longer then the timing of everything gets thrown off. And, and by the way, um, you mentioned the pass is going out of bounds. Uh, Temi Fagbenle had a hilarious one. I think it was like in crunch time in that game or in the fourth quarter where she threw like 10 feet over Sills head into the baseline. But I'm, and right. I'm not even mocking her. That's just like my fa- one of my favorite things. I just laugh every time like a pass goes into like the 10th row. Cause it's just, well, like, and I'm sure like Sill probably says too, right? Let's just like throw it high. Right. Cause I'm six, six, like a huge long arms, like throw it higher than you think I need than it needs to be. Cause I can go and get it I'd rather have you throw it higher than too low and get it tipped or get it, you know, um, intercepted in that way. So maybe, uh, maybe that's part of you know the idea there is that, that that's how Sylvia is asking for it to be. Another thing that I just thought of too, it seems like last season, the links just were able to get in transition just even a little bit more, 10, 20% more of the time. And Sylvia would get early position before the defense could, could really even get set up and she would get a deep seal and it would just be over. Like, you know, there's only, you know, maybe even like 15, 16, 17 seconds on the shot clock still remaining. And so we already have the ball. So I think with the links not being able to get into transition and having Whalen slow down and a couple of other players, you know, their pace is just so low that that even makes it harder to get the ball into still because, you know, you're playing against a set defense and they're already set and they're already ready and they're, the help defender is already ready to go. And so I think that's part of it too, is that just slowing down the pace, it just allows the defense just to be more ready to, you know, key in on Sylvia. Yeah. And I mean, there, there have been games. I think it was, I think it was a game in a game in Phoenix when they had that winning streak around the middle of the season, when they got one of the better Wayland games of the season where they were kind of, you know, not, not like running hard, but they were getting the ball up a little bit faster. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Sill is really, she's really good at that. And that, I mean, that like running hard and just like putting your butt into someone under the rim is a skill because like even the players that aren't dominant back to the basket scorers, like you can, you can just rack up easy buckets on that. Cause that last player back, that might be a five, nine point guard, right. not a center. So like anyone gets that, like, that's just, that's easy money. Um, but let's so go. Ben, let me ask you, can I ask you about, um, you know, you asked me about, you know, Sylvia and the struggles of the Lynx offense, you know, the Lynx are, are ninth in the league or finished ninth in offensive rating sparks just above them at eighth. What just in general with the sparks, where do they struggle to score? What has been the issue with them? Why have, why hasn't their offense been, um, um, you know, in the top half of the league, um, this season when they struggle, what is the reason for that? So I admittedly, like I'm, I'm, I've watched every Sparks game very closely and some of them twice. I, and I don't always feel as confident of my grip on that team as some of the other teams. I think there are some of the losses. You definitely chalk it up. Like, Hey, like this team is way better than it was last year. You know, like, like obviously playing in Dallas with Cambage now or, um, or like Atlanta with Angel and the, the free agents they got. I, offensively you know last year they were they really hit their stride when odyssey sims entered the starting lineup and with that group this year i think the rest of the league i mentioned this earlier that, that they kind of realized like oh hey like odyssey sims is a 20 percent three-point shooter mm. um elena beard you know i i just admire the heck out of her propensity to to take shots late in games like once it like we get to like the five minute mark in the fourth quarter. It suddenly feels like she shoots 80%, but like to get that far in a game, like she just doesn't look to shoot very much at all unless she gets a cut or she's at the rim. And if teams just say, Hey, yeah, we can, we're going to drop all the way off of them. We're going to 
put a second body in Candace Parker's lap when she tries to post up. We're going to, you know, trap Chelsea Gray in a pick and roll. We're going to double her in the post. We're going to just gap off when she looks to drive. Like you're just totally, you're totally sapping some of their best sources of offense. And I think so, you know, the sparks last year were so good with beard and Sims and, and now we're at a point where I don't think those two can, they can really survive with those two playing together. At least I don't think they'll be able to score. Uh, their defense will be great, but I think they're really going to struggle to score. So now I think they kind of have, I think they've kind of been feeling that out. You know, it's essence Carson, who's having an awesome year playing a little bit more with the starters, which she obviously did in 2016 and won the title. It's Raquana Williams emerging as a more reliable three point shooter. And I think they're trying to figure that out. You know, it's, you know, watching the Connecticut game, I, I, I think I tweeted this out. I just, you know, the sparks are so about, you know, they move it side to side. It's multiple pick and rolls. It's Candace Parker just standing there and people are cutting and they get stuff from that because she make, can make every pass in the book. Um, but sometimes I think, I mean, I think they just need to get a little more ruthless and sit and, you know, they need to maybe ISO Candace a little bit more. They need to ISO Chelsea Gray a little bit more and say, Hey, like, you know, Chelsea Gray, you're 26. Like no one can guard you just like, you know, go win us this five minute stretch. I think, I think there are enough hiding spots where people can help. And I think that has just mucked things up enough where they just, there are going to be stretches where they struggle. Interesting. Well, yeah, that'll be, um, yeah, I mean, I think these te- these two teams both kind of can struggle from a lack of spacing at times, kind of with that, you know, with their main offensive threats, you know, kind of being post players, p- players that score in the paint, um, you know, that, that that you really need that space. And there's definitely, you know, culprits on both sides who can kind of muck that up. Um, yeah. What's next? Well, before we move on, I, we, we've we've hit a lot on on some of the individuals on this team, but I just got to say, like, I want to get your assessment on, and maybe we can we can do the quick version on this, but, you know, with Maya Moore, she hasn't been very efficient. She had the awesome stretch during their win streak, um, but she just hasn't, she hasn't been all that impactful of a player that you would hope for as a player who, you know, is universally considered one of the best in the world. But, you know, just the, the efficiency hasn't been there. She's at 36% from three after being above 40 the last two years and her Perth. And the other thing is, you know, she, I, I don't think the Lynx can win with her just predominantly being a play finisher. Like this season per 36, this is the lowest assist average per 36 of her career. Like they, you know, she's got this quick release. She can get her shot whenever she wants, but like if she's just a play finisher, and she's not helping their other more dependent players get some easy looks. I think they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, she's she's too 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 good, too talented to sort of be more, you know, just kind of like a spot up option is you know kind of what you're saying, and, and really not creating for others. And and that's kind of where things have really dropped off for her this year is creating for others, like you're saying, assist. And and um, you know, another thing is is getting to the free throw line, and and and. So that is all kind of tied into to me to like the efficiency of of, of, of having her on the court. Um, you know, she had I'm um, just looking at her numbers here, and yeah, she only shot 120 total free throws um, this season. She's 127 last year, 167 the year before. So you know, 
that that adds to the the efficiency thing and and yeah i think just overall like i was talking about before the, the team just didn't do as good of a job playing around sylvia fowles this season and my as a part of that you know there just wasn't enough um you know times where she would get the ball off a off a double team on sill you know when sill has the ball and kick it out to maya and that just wasn't that successful or her cutting to the hoop um, for you know, for points at the rim, or to, again to get fouled and get free throws, you know we just didn't see that. So yeah, you pair that with you know a lower three point um, percentage um, this year, um, as you mentioned, under forty. And and I don't know, it's just um, you know it's just been it's been a tough year. It's been an up and down year. It's it's been it's been puzzling because you know a, a lot of a lot of Maya's body language and the way she carries herself and plays on the defensive end like that's to me that's kind of all been there a lot for most of the season so she kind of looks the same in, in a lot of the same ways and and when she's making shots there's no one like her um um you know just her touch and, and, and her ability to to just hit some really difficult shots and to you know knock down shots you know streaky get, get going get hot a little bit um but yeah, it's it's really been a problem and it's really been an issue. I think they just need to put the ball in her hands more often. You know, I would I would like to see a little point Maya or something like that from time to time, just so again, so she can be a creator out there in, in pick and roll or or whatever it might be, because she's so valuable. She has so many skills and it just didn't feel like they tapped all those skills this year. And and hopefully it's just a matter of it being a down year for her and not something that's um, a larger mark on her the tra- trajectory of her career. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, and, you know, the whole point being here and, you know, we've probably gone on longer than we expected on some of these star players, but like you look at the body of work of, you know, what did they do in the 2018 season? Like, and, you know, Maya Moore and Chelsea Gray in particular, like it wasn't quite the same start to finish, like night in, night out, you know, like how many, you know, that like this always comes up in the MVP conversation. Like, how many games did they dominate? Like, how many games did they win? You know, for Chelsea Gray, there have been nights where like she's the best player on the court. It's not close. And obviously, there are nights, a lot of nights like that with Maya too. But it hasn't, it hasn't been there at the same level that historically people are used to, or or just even from last season. And in you know, that's important because these teams now face a path where they have to win two games in three days in single elimination just to get a shot of playing in a five game series. Yeah, that's, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that is, it's going to be wild because yeah, it's going to be so hard for these teams. I mean, this is just speaking to, you know, kind of what I said before, the Lynx have never been through this before. Just having to go into the single elimination thing is, is really interesting. I, I really like it as a fan of the league. I think it's cool. I think, you know, it really adds some intrigue to the beginning here of the playoff picture. But man, to be one of these teams who has to play both of these games, both of the, potentially both of these single elimination games, I mean, they're, they're all going to take place on the West Coast. And then Thursday's uh, round two games or whatever are going to take place on the East Coast. So it's this whole like cross country flight situation and one day of rest. And, and wow, it's, it's definitely a gauntlet. So it, it should be interesting to see who comes out of it all because it, it just sounds madness. Yeah, and so we we've I've mentioned we went on here. We've technically hit the network. We've now finished the first of four bullet points when we plan yep. to go for thirty minutes. Um, so the second thing we want to get to is let's start from the Lynx perspective. Um, both these teams, there are questions in the air about their star, one of their starters for Minnesota. Uh, we're going on two weeks now, 
about a little over two weeks that in which Rebecca Brunson has not played with a concussion uh, when she took that shot to the nose. So just, you know, reminding people where one, where she's at from a health perspective and what, you know, what's this game going to be like if, if they have to play it without her. Yeah. I mean, Rebecca Brunson is in a lot of ways, you know, the, the most important player for the Lynx. Um, you know, just what she brings defensively um, Lynx this season, win, win games with rebounding. And, you know, she's obviously, you know, fantastic at that. So, you know, they, they hang their hat on defensive rebound and rebounding it on defense. And, and, and that's kind of where she excels too. So they absolutely need her. Um, and, and, and especially, you know, in a game against Los Angeles where, you know, she matches up so well with with Candace and with NECA. Um, you just have to have her in this game to give yourself the best shot. Um, but, yeah, Brunson took a shot to the face um, two weeks ago um, against Atlanta, as you said. And initially it was just broken nose and then, then it was concussion. And um, apparently she just hasn't, um, you know, she still has the the symptoms and cannot pass a uh, the concussion test of, of protocol or whatever it is. Um, she did not um, travel, I believe, uh, to Connecticut for the team's final game. Or no, she did, I think. She was with the team. But she's still wearing um, like earplugs um, during the games and stuff, which speaks to um, the symptoms, you know, doing with with the loud sounds, you know, apparently are still giving her issues if she has to wear those earplugs. Um and, and so it should be interesting. We, we don't know where she's going to be. Um, you know, just we're, we're just a day away now. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, from the outside, I have no idea, but it doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem like she's going to be playing. I would have to guess that she's not going to play. Um, there's been no updates and no, um, you know, her against her sitting on the bench um, Sunday night with the, with the earplugs. Um, maybe that was just precautionary and she would have been fine without them. And, and they're going to surprise us all. And she's going to be in the starting lineup on Tuesday, but it doesn't look good. You would have to think that she's not going to play. And, um, you know, that's a huge problem for the Lynx. That's the main reason that, you know, I, to me, that's, that's, that's a huge advantage for LA and a main reason why they should be, um, heavily favored, um, in this, in this one game playoff because Rebecca is just so important to the team and especially against LA. So you put all that together and it's just, it just doesn't look good for the Lynx's chances because she's just so important. They have, they need her in, the, in this game and it's going to be unfortunate if she can't go. Yeah. And if, and if noise is an issue, I don't, um, and you know, not everyone has maybe has been to a game in LA, but as an opposing player, like I don't think there's a there would be a more annoying place to play in than LA. <laughs> that's an issue for you, where, where yeah. they have, and, you know, it's an environment um, that's really unique to the league, where they have uh, this DJ DJ Malski, who you know he's got the keys as you know a de facto PA guy, where he's always you know he comes in with his own ad libs and reactions and stuff as it happens. They're always they're always pumping music, so. Um, you know, that, I mean, if that's, you know, maybe that's still the biggest factor in a place like that. Maybe they even have to take that into consideration. Um, yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. And then, and then also, you know, beyond her, Dana Robinson is out and will be out, you know, she had surgery on a broken ankle or, or sprained ankle. I'm, I'm not sure if they actually called it broken, but you know, she's going to be out for, for like four to six months. They finally announced. So, you know, she, she was hurt, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, in, in Las Vegas. So, I mean, that's another huge part of this. I mean, Again, it's just one game, and neither one of these teams can win this game. But the link ceiling in all this is just lowered so dramatically when you don't have Danielle Robinson and you don't have Rebecca Brunson. Um, but on the Spark side, looks like um, you know Neca, you know, missed the last game of the season. 
Um, she did play in the second to last game of the season. I think uh, you had told me that it was just kind of an illness based thing. What is the status of, of NECA? Do you believe she will play in this game? And, 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 you know, where do you see all that going as far as, you know, the, the potential players who will be missing from Los Angeles for this game? Yeah. I mean, we didn't, there was, I mean, the team provided no real release on it. NECA wasn't on the initial injury report. Um, we heard just in the broadcast that she wasn't feeling well. And, you know, maybe that, and clearly that, you know, there, there, there must be something still kind of stemming from that mystery illness that kept her out of the all-star game and, and some of that time around that period. And I don't know, it's, you know, it's hard to say without a real update, really knowing what's going on. Um, you know, if the problem is just her energy level wasn't quite there. Um, if there's more, you know, this clearly isn't, um, this isn't some linear situation where it's okay, you know, minor ankle sprain, you're back in, you know, X number of days where it's easy to calculate. So I don't know. I, I would imagine she does play considering she had played the previous string of games. And, you know, from a Sparks perspective without her, I'm, I'm really interested to see where the game will go. And, you know, you take Brunson off the court, you take Neck off the court. I don't really know who has the advantage in that case. I could, I could see it playing out where both teams kind of tilt that in their favor, you know, from like, from a Minnesota perspective, I, you know, just like, I wonder, you know, how are you going to try to guard the sparks if you don't have Brunson, you know, do you even just put fouls on Candace Parker most of the time and roll with that? And you try to put, you know, Chechi on NECA. Um, if she, if she's out there, um, I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, you know, if, if both don't go, like, what do you, what do you think we're looking at on the fringes as these teams try to match up with each other? I mean, if both don't go, if, if, if NECA also is out of this game, if we're saying Brunson and NECA is out, obviously that's a huge, you know, boost for the Lynx defensively, not having to worry about an all world player like, like NECA Gumake. Um, but you know, yeah, Chechi will start in place of, of Brunson, um, you know, most likely, you know, that's that's kind of what they've done with her. I think pretty, I think every game, yeah, since since Brunson's been out um, with this concussion. But I mean, there's just no way Chechi can guard Neca or or Parker in these situations, especially in the post. She's she's not a bad defender, but you know, she can really move her feet well on the perimeter. I like her kind of switchability in those kind of situations. But um, you know, as far as guarding the post, she's you know she's six two. She's she's got decently long arms. She you know she can handle her own. But in the, in the post is definitely kind of her weakest defensive area. So if she has to you know go up, go up against any of those bigs, that's going to be a problem. You really want her more as uh, on the rotation, kind of guarding forwards and stuff. Um, so, but yeah, obviously with, with if if Neca can't go, um, that eases things up for the Lynx defense as far as where they can. You know, move these players to. I mean, who who would start in in Neca's place in in that situation? Do do you believe? So, I mean, the norm is that it's Gentile Lavender. Okay, yeah. And you know, the third, the third big, and for a couple of years now, what's largely been a three big rotation, and obviously now the rookie Masha Vadiva is someone that could enter the equation. I am, but in, I mean, in this matchup with the Lynx, just going with sill and then a bunch of wings 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the Sparks are going to respond. They could just straight. You think up. they might do a couple guards instead? Like you know, do I don't know? Just just kind of match that with all their own kind of wing players and guards. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Essence Carson definitely just like fits right in in that kind of game to play more minutes if they need need to. You know, I mean, a lot of nights you could argue she's definitely been one of their five best players, so she's definitely somebody that should be out there. But I mean, I, I think. I think I imagine Brian Agler may just have to feel it out. You know, if Lavender's hitting, you know, she's largely a jump shooter at this point of her career. If Lavender's hitting, I think you're okay. If she's not, they might have to try Vadiva, who's a little, who gives them a little bit more of just kind of just some brute physicality. You know, she rolls hard to the rim every time. Uh, she like, you know, she seems to like that playing around the basket and putting her shoulder into someone and flipping up a hook shot. So I think. I think they could get some different looks. You know, I think, you know, Vadiva has been interesting to watch because that element is something that this team doesn't totally have. Obviously, NECA can do that very well, but she also can can drive a little bit, can shoot a little bit. So she's a more complete player at this point. So I, I, I think they're going to have to feel it out. But I think from a Sparks perspective, if they do have to play without NECA, I think they still have enough people to call on to kind of fill all the minutes they would need to, but, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, yeah, it'll what have they, to be my more than two for, you know, for the links, you know, covering up a little bit there too, with, you know, with, with Brunson's absence, you know, it's kind of have to, going to have to be Chechi and uh, Maya kind of covering up there, you know, guarding, guarding bigger players and, 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 you know, trying to rebound and, and, and Maya's good at that too. I mean, Maya's a very good defender. Um, you know, I think she can handle her own in the post. I think she's, you know, good rebounder for her size and stuff like that. But for Maya, it's about, you know, not getting into foul trouble in those situations. And it'll just be so much harder for her to have to guard um, a bigger player and then also score on the offensive end. Like, both Sill and Maya are going to have to have amazing games um, together, I think, for the Lynx to win this game. And it's going to have to come on both ends. They're going to play major minutes. I'm sure that's going to be it. I mean, I would imagine both players will play 35 minutes and they'll go all out to win this game. I mean, that's what you do. It's a single elimination game. It's what you have to do. But it'll be interesting to see if both Maya and Sill can can kind of team up to have great games together, which is which is another reason why the Lynx have not been as good this year is they've kind of taken turns and, you know, one of them will be great on, on one night and the other one will kind of have an off night. They haven't really put it all together on the same evening. And, and um, that's going to have to happen. I think um, at least to some degree for the Lynx to have a shot in this one. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine like, I don't know if they can afford to like let Maya spend any time hiding or guarding, you know, Elena Beard. Yeah, without Brunson, no way. To where she's kind of helping more than she has to worry about her, you know, the intensity of just constant on-ball defense. Because, you know, if if NECA does play, you know, Maya's um, off the top of my head. I mean, she's spent the majority of the time for them this season guarding Chelsea Gray. Where last season that was mainly Simone Augustus drawing that assignment. So if the links are at a point where Maya, they feel she's their best option of guarding Gray, and you go small, like, and, you know, that came up before, but, you know, is Chechi guarding NECA? Is she guarding Jantel Lavender um, or, or Candace Parker? And you just see what happens. Um, there are going to be some interesting decisions there for them to make. Yeah, I would put, I would actually, you know, what I think will happen. And, you know, I, so I believe Tanisha Wright will start this game. 
Um, you know, she had started a few games um, in place of Lindsay Whalen to close out the season. Obviously, Lindsay started Sunday night in the big way day celebration. But I, 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 they got to go back to Tanisha starting here. I mean, Whalen has dropped off so much in this season and, and is just, you know, at certain points, just so bad on both ends. And so, you know, they, they cannot start her against Chelsea Gray. She, and, and so I think to me, it has to be Tanisha Wright and then Tanisha Wright guards um guards Chelsea Gray and then you just put Maya you know guarding one of the bigs you know and just put her you know kind of just count her as a front court player and and really just have her um bang down low and get rebounds and and try and guard you know whoever it is NECA Parker you know uh, it's not ideal but I think it's their best it's their best bet here and then leave you know Chechi and Simone to chase around other maybe lesser threats out um out on the perimeter uh, I think that's their best their best bet defensively in this one yeah, and you know Tanisha's essentially their you know their starting point guard at this point, even if she may not function completely the same as most point guards. And before we kind of look ahead to kind of well to to give this some shelf life beyond the next twenty four hours, um, yeah, just you know putting kind of putting a bow on looking at this matchup. The last thing for me as far as what, you know, I like to think of it from a perspective of like what changes because you want to draw as many eyes to this matchup as you can. This has been a crown jewel for the league for the last few years here. And I like to ask the question of what's different because even if people, you know, we see it on the NBA where people just complain and wail on the Warriors being good. So even if someone wanted to complain, oh, the Sparks and Lynx are playing again, I like to always bring up, you know, what's different. And for the Lynx, like this is a completely new starting lineup. As mentioned, Tanisha Wright is basically their point guard now. They're playing, you know, they're playing small, although they've kind of been forced because Brunson's been out, which may continue through tomorrow. And then for the Sparks, you know, I wrote about Raquana Williams today. You know, last year she was the eighth player off the bench. The, well, the third player off the bench, the eighth player. And a lot of games, they just played seven. They didn't use an eighth player. And now they have her looking more confident. She's healthier. And she's looking like that explosive athlete that can get to the rim in a second, can leap up into the air and like knock entry passes like out of the hands of Liz Cambage. Like how many guards can do that? And hit eight, 38% of her threes. Like, so, I mean, these teams are very different than what we're used to. And so I think it's, I think that's an important thing to point out to as, you know, in drawing people to this matchup. But any closing thoughts on on these two teams for you? Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, you think about the last two seasons and these final matchups that we've come to enjoy and just love and they're classics in my mind and and now you look at this matchup and yeah, on both sides there's a lot of differences and I think for the Lynx, you know, right now there it is their starting lineup that is, you know, kind of switched up due to demoting Whalen a little bit and then and then um you know having Brunson with the injury but over the course of this season it's it's really been their bench which has been totally remade um you know with the departures of Gia Perkins and Planet Pier- uh, Pearson um and Natasha Howard and, and and obviously Renee Montgomery so they had an entire different sort of re- reserve unit um and now some of those players have had to step up and be starters like Chechi Zandalcini and and, and Tanisha, Tanisha Wright so really, it's kind of about the the the, the overall rotation churn here um, for the team, and yeah, it's just counting on it's counting on these players who you know didn't really play that much or weren't on the team uh, last season. 
Uh, Chechi is a big part of the team right now. You know, she had a great night um, against Washington on Sunday, but before that, had maybe struggled for the last five games, something shooting the ball. She's got great range and and size, so she's really a, really more of a perimeter threat right now. But the Lynx need her to hit shots, um, and then off the bench, kind of beyond that, um, you know, there's really not a lot there. Uh, Erlena Larkins um, can come in, provide. Um, a few minutes here and there. Um, you mentioned Fag Benley. You know she's up and down, so they kind of have a lot of inconsistent um, performances um, off their bench. But they're different faces, and they're, they kind of provide a different kind of um, vibe and feel um, to this year's Lynx team in this matchup um, with the Sparks. Um, so, so that should you know in, uh, kind of provide some intrigue. I am interested to see you know what Zandalasini can do. Um, this year, it'd be interesting to see what her matchup will be and, and what she can do offensively there. Um, uh, so yeah, so really it's just, it's a lot of new faces, uh, more, more so on the link side, but you know, on, on the spark side, kind of what you're saying is, is really interesting. Definitely, um, you know, go, go check out Ben's piece on silver screen and roll, um, today on, on Raquana Williams, um, throwing it back to you, Ben, what do you think? How is she, how, what is she going to add to this, um, game, to this matchup with the links? And what do you think about like the matchup? Um, with her potentially guarding Simone Augustus and vice versa there. How do you see that going? Yeah, so I mean, Raquana, Raquana is so valuable to this team because the Sparks don't, you know, they don't have, they're not stocked with like these three-point shooters, like, oh my goodness, if we leave them open, like it's just over. You know, there's not that, you're not yeah, scared. like you mentioned Beard and, and Sims. Well, and, but even the ones that do make them, you know, Candace Parker's, you know, Slightly above average three point shooter shoots, you know, is shooting more and more of them by the year. Chelsea Gray is a very good one, but you know, Gray Gray doesn't have the quickest release, and there are still times where it looks like she has a good one. She hesitates. You know, there was one. I wish I had the play in front of me. There was a play last year as they somehow were mounting this impossible comeback against the Sun when that game looked over five different times, um, and then there was this play where the ball finds her and she made the extra pass in a situation where it wasn't so obvious that that was the play to make. And there were play, there are plays like those where it's like, you know what? Like if I'm a Sparks fan, I would have been like, you want Chelsea Gray to just take that shot. Cause you know, she's probably their best player to be taking a, a shot in that situation. Um, but Raquana gives them just like something close to a player where like one pass away, like if you're one step too late, like she can get up a three She's going to shoot it without hesitating. Make you pay. Right. And, you know, like I said, she's been a 38% three-point shooter, which you, any team you love. Um, and then, so I think her and Essence Carson, who gives them the same, and Essence Essence is a little bit, uh, a little bit quicker of a release, which is good for them. But, I, you know, I think, I think that shooting may be huge for them. When, when extra bodies try to help on a Candace, they help on a Chelsea – they need those players that they can pitch it back out to and make teams pay to hit those shots. All right. And now looking ahead, I'm not going to get too into like, Oh, what if Phoenix wins? What if Dallas wins? But just like, let's get, let's get from you, Neil, um, you know, a couple just top line thoughts, you know, if on each potential second round opponent for the links, you know, if, if they have to play the Connecticut Sun, what are the main things you're thinking about uh, for that matchup? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think both, you know, for the links, I think they can look at Washington and Connecticut as both matchups that are better for them than this LA one here. I mean, to me, this is the worst case scenario for them as far as first round opponents go um, facing off against the Sparks just matchup wise. And with the fact that they'll likely be missing Brunson, um, but yeah, they just played Connecticut the other day and, um, Connecticut, um, pretty, pretty easily won that game and, and took care of business there in Connecticut. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was just too many, I mean, John Quell, I think had four threes or maybe even five threes in that game. They really just spaced the links out and, and did a number on their defense. So, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's either one of those, you know, matchups, whether it be Washington, you know, who's, who the Lynx did beat the other day, but that's doesn't really count. I mean, they didn't didn't really play Deldon at all and Tolliver at all in the second half, and then they were kind of resting that game. So, um, so yeah, so I, I see them as as better matchups than than this one against the Sparks, but still will be uphill battles. And um, and again, the, the whole travel situation with all this is just crazy with all the time zones they'll be passing through. Um, the winner of you know LA uh, Minnesota has to go all the way to to Connecticut or Washington, going from Pacific time zone all the way to East, and um, so that'll be hard. But I do think that whoever wins, um, you know, this game between Minnesota and, and LA, um, you know, I think I would give them the advantage to to. I would also you know think that they could win a next um, a next round game against either one of these teams. Actually, I think uh, they're more talented and stuff, but. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. I don't know. I think Minnesota just has to get through this first game, and then I think they can, you know, have maybe a little bit easier of a time um, against the next round opponents. But uh, yeah, how, how do you see LA potentially dealing with that? And and um, and and you know, do they think? Do you think they could they could win uh, one of those games against Washington or or, or or Connecticut? That that's interesting. I I would have expected, you know, I I think the toughest matchup of the bottom uh, six is Connecticut for the Lynx, but being a one game, it's much different than thinking about a full series. Um, from a, you know, from a Sparks perspective, I think it'd be, I think it would in a way be two pretty different games playing Washington versus playing Connecticut. I think Washington, and we just got a great game over the weekend between those two teams. I think a, a game against the Mystics would very much just really be all about just like half court execution, you know, neither team is really too crazy about getting out and running. You know, they, they settle in it's, you know, how are you, how are you guarding ball screens? You know, how much can Elena Deldon do one-on-one what's Candace Parker doing to create for others? You know, where I think with Connecticut, Connecticut is pretty scary right now. Like if John Cole Jones is playing 30 plus minutes a game, like you just you have to guard them so much differently than you guard any other team because Alyssa Thomas is also such a unique player. So I think, I think from a Sparks perspective, I'd be a little more excited about getting into just more of a half-court kind of game and just execute against the Mystics. Whereas Connecticut, playing on some short rest, I'd be a little more worried about keeping up with Alyssa Thomas in the open floor and having to chase John Paul Jones around. Yeah, I think Connecticut is the, the the much more dangerous team between the two. Uh, maybe I I think I am biased of like the last bunch of years, and I think that's kind of why I say that about LA. It's just like it's just been such a good series, and I just know I just I, I feel like that the LA team is just so good and such a good matchup for the for the Lynx. But 
you know, and I think I have a little bit of bias against against Washington because the Lynx just so easily dispatched them last year. And, you know, we spent <laughs> the larger part of this show talking about how the Lynx are very different this year, obviously. But I don't know. To me, the Washington is 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 the least dangerous out of all these teams. Connecticut, for sure. I could see them winning a title um, this year. They're probably the third uh, team that's most likely win a title this year, um, you know, behind Seattle and Atlanta. But um, Connecticut for sure, for sure, could get it done. And like you said, John Quell is just terrifying right now with how she's playing, shooting it from three, and and just being just so good all over the court. And so, um, yeah, I agree that Connecticut to me seems seems like the um, you know the one they would like to avoid. And the good news is, is whoever wins this game, I think they will. I mean, um, I was surprised when the lines came out today. Phoenix is favored by six and a half points over Dallas. Seems like that should be more. And, um, you know, I think uh, the Sparks are favored by, uh, over the Lynx by six points. So to me, the, the you know, the, the Lynx-Sparks game is more of a more of a toss-up, whereas I can, you know, I think Phoenix is going to roll over over um, over Dallas. And, and I believe in that situation, um, you know, let's say Phoenix wins, um, they would get, um, they would get Connecticut and the winner of, of Minnesota, LA would get it would get Washington. So you know, it looks like that is is it seems likely that that's more likely what's going to happen. And so LA or Minnesota will get. I think what we're both saying is probably the easier matchup at, in Washington in that situation. Yeah, that's I hadn't seen those lines yet. That's interesting. You know, I think I think I although I do think that does make sense. I think that is a map. I think that is a game where there's a likelihood that it could really go south for Dallas, who is they who they've really struggled with their defense on the wing, containing people that get out and can run and shoot threes, especially on the break. And, you know, Phoenix, you know, uh Riva that that great walk off after the the whole Kelsey Plum line about them being old and I think it was at the end of a press conference, were you there? You have to refresh my memory when, which one this was. Uh, Reeves, Reeves said something to the effect of just, you know, oh, we're not we're not even the oldest team in the league. And then, like, this is the end. This is the end of her, whatever the availability was. And then somebody falls up, well, who? And then Phoenix. She says Phoenix. And then she just oh, walks yeah. <laughs> um, But no, I mean, Phoenix can run. Like, they're very, they're very reliant on their starters. Um, but they're, they're pretty, they're pretty scary if, with how they can spread you out. And, you know, the people, the, the player nobody's really talking about that much for how good she's been is Brittany Griner. So, and that's, you know, Griner and Sill are the two humans that, like, in the league right now that, like, give you a shot of, like, okay, we can we can play some one-on-one with Liz Cambage and we might not get destroyed. So, that but that'll be, that'll be an interesting one to follow. That's the, uh, that game will be the lead-in to Link Sparks, Tuesday night, both games on ESPN two. Got some and late night basketball, unless unless you're like uh, Ben and live on the West Coast. Uh, the rest right. of us, the rest of us, got some got some night owling to do. That's that's how I live my life anyway, though. So it, it's all good. I'm on. It's a nine thirty uh, central start here for the for Link Spark. So whatever you know, game will get over around you know eleven eleven thirty or something like that, and we'll dig into that recap. It's all good. Yeah, well, and, and Thursday balances out. Those are, I think, yep, yep. 6.30, 8.30 Eastern, so that helps. But I guess this is the point where we make predictions because that's what people do is make predictions. Yeah, we have to. We're contractually obligated, I think, to make predictions and, and say what we think. Well, since you're technically on, even though you're the better podcaster, you're on my home turf, so I'll have you go first with a prediction for tomorrow. 
All right. Um, I don't think it looks good for the Lynx here. Um, again, especially, we, I think we have to assume Brunson will be out just from, you know, missing, you know, two. And even if she plays, that's the thing. If she, even if she surprises us all and is in the lineup, she hasn't played basketball in two weeks, uh, more than two weeks. So um, it's just going to be tricky for them. And I think LA has been the better team this year. They've won three out of the four regular season matchups against the Lynx. Uh, obviously at home with the big home court advantage and uh, DJ Loud Noise or whatever his name was, so you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be you know the favorites, rightfully so. LA is, and without Brunson, without Danielle Robinson, I'm just not sure how the Lynx can put together a game that you know where they can where they can beat LA. I mean, the good news is it's, it is only one game, so in a series, I think it would definitely be all LA. But in a one-game situation, that's kind of the idea is anything can happen. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle and and, and really get it done. But I think um, – I, I just think, you know, basically what this is going to come down to, this game is going to come down to, um, uh, you know, whatever team can really dictate the pace and use it to their advantage. Minnesota, their, their Achilles heel is – is transition defense. So they've been terrible all season at stopping teams from running and, and, you know, the younger teams in the league have really burned them in this way. And, you know, the, the Sparks aren't a young team, but they're definitely a team that can get you in transition. Parker grabbing and go, you know, with the grab and go from you know, re- rebounding the ball and then bring up the, the floor herself is just so scary uh, for the Lynx. So I think uh, the Sparks do have an advantage in that way. And I think that's kind of going to be how they win this game. I can imagine it being, you know, close um, in the first half and then just Sparks just kind of pulling away and just just having too much too much pace and, and, and maybe, um, you know, too much offense um, that the links uh, for the links to overcome. So, yeah, I'll say I'll say Sparks are going to win the game, maybe by 10 points or something like that. OK, I will also take the Sparks. I've been a guy that just. I'm gonna keep saying I think I think one to nine the Sparks are the best team still. With all that we've seen, if you just get them to the playoffs healthy, which might not be the case, we'll see what. Um, by the time some people listen to this, we may already have updates from both sides as far as that goes. But I'm just gonna be I've I feel the most confident in the Sparks and the Lynx now that the playoffs have started given health so i'm gonna stick you know stick to be consistent with what i've said and and pick the sparks to win but the interesting thing here is like you look look back at the last two years each of the last two finals the sparks go up two to one they go home they have a shot to close out the series and both times what did the Lynx do they managed they managed to come out on top with their backs all the way against the wall so you know maybe the Lynx capture some of that same emotion they had in those moments. I mean, not that it'll be hard. It's it's one game. Um, but I don't know. This this will be the chance for the Sparks to exercise that demon though and say, hey, we're not, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna see a, a such an important playoff game slip away at the hands of Minnesota this time. Yeah, it's their turn. So it's LA's turn to win an elimination game um, against Minnesota. And uh, but yeah, I don't think Minnesota's the the home court advantage to me. You know, I made the joke about the DJ, but Minnesota with their veteran team, they've been there so many times. It's not really about the home court advantage situation to me. It's just about you know the the players that Minnesota are, are missing um, in this game and and what that means for the game that they're going to have to play. Um, all those the players that are left out there, eh, which obviously still includes Sylvia Fowles and Maya Moore, they can get it done. But it's just going to be so much harder for them. So it's not really about the home court advantage, but. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one for the Lynx, and uh, we'll see if uh, the Sparks can uh, you know return serve here and uh, you know keep this keep this little rivalry going. 
Absolutely. So we are going on an hour here. No big so, deal. It's all good. Everybody loves the WNBA content. Yeah, I had a, definitely had a good time with this. I uh, appreciate Neil taking the time. You can follow him at links underscore dynasty on you Twitter. got it. You got it. Check it out. Go and, subscribe uh, some... to the links dynasty podcast. I'll, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get your plugs in here. Thanks, man. And uh, other than that, look for more stuff from look for more stuff from Neil as the playoffs go on from me as well. Uh, and Neil, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Ben.